Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new back in America. Soccer new back in America. Featuring person Talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to Soccer Noob Rocket America featuring Person Noob. Hello! Yeah, that's my 11-year-old daughter, co-hosted real star of the show. This is episode 154. What on earth have you gotten yourself into? Well, don't let the theme song mislead you. It doesn't get that crazy, but we do have a lot of fun giving you mini previews for 10 of the best matches from around the world. That's as we happen to define that. You're going to get some matches from big soccer countries and tournaments and some from not so big countries. But if the match is high stakes where it's being played, we're always looking for the great league races as well as big tournament matches for international teams, then you can be sure that it is on our radar. This particular week, we are going to be doing matches from Friday through Thursday. That is going to be the 22nd through the 28th of September, 2023. Plus, we'll have bonus matches near the end and special segments throughout. Like I said, a lot of fun and some geography. We'll get all nerdy and everything. All right. With no further ado, let's dive into the tracking with... March number one! We start our globe-trotting trek for football mini-previews right here in the States with our feature match for Major League Soccer for the week. The conference winners of Major League Soccer from the East and West will get to go to the next CONCACAF Champions Cup. That's our version of the Champions League, plus the next best two in the aggregate table. These will not be the only American or Canadian teams to go, but that is how you qualify through the regular season in any case for the CONCACAF Champions Cup. They're a little bit over three-quarters of the way through the season, so things are getting mighty serious. Your matchup number four in the East, Philadelphia Union versus second best in the West, currently LAFC. Philadelphia, they lead number five, Columbus, by two points in the table. That's important because the top four will get to host playoff matches in the first round when it comes to the U.S. Open Cup. Meanwhile, LAFC, they trail number one, St. Louis, for that top spot by six points. The series between these two, it has been all LAFC since they came into existence, two, five, and oh, you can catch this edition at 7.30 Eastern Time in the U.S., Apple TV with MLS Pass. Let's talk about the union first, Philly. Uh, one of their big claims to fame, they won the Supporter Shield. That's the best regular season record in the league in 2020. Last year, they also won the Easter regular season and playoffs before falling in the final. Both 2021 and 23, they made it to the now CONCACAF Champions Cup, their only appearances, and they made the semifinals both seasons. This year, a very well-balanced team, a third-best offense, third-best defense. That equals number one or tied for number one in goal differential. I think this is a team that will not only host a playoff game, but I think they will climb even higher over the next couple, three weeks. 
Interestingly, by the way, statistically, none of the East top three teams have a top three offense or defense. They've all got one or the other. So I think this balance is really going to help the union. Key players to look for on the defensive side of things. Number three in interceptions for per 90 minutes with a little under two and a half per game. Uh, Nathan Hurriel, he is a right back, 22 years old. He's already got a couple of uh, under 20 team appearances for the U.S. men's national squad. But I think their MVP on the year has probably been Kai Wagner, their German left back, another defensive player. He does have a goal and five assists, so he does get up much like a wing back would. He's got lots of interceptions as well and has been rewarded for his performances the last two seasons by being named MLS All-Star. Team's current form, they are 1-1-1 in their last three with a narrow 7-versus-6 goal differential. And now LAFC, a newish club founded in 2014. They are your league defending playoff champions. That is the only title that they've ever won. But they did also win the Supporters' Shield in 2019 and last year. 2020 was their best international appearance. They made the CONCACAF Champions Cup final before finishing his runners-up. Last year, they finished in fourth place in the West in the regular season and then fell out of the playoffs at the conference semifinal level. They, too, very well balanced out West, which I think is a little bit of the weaker conference, neither here nor there, perhaps, but third-best offense, only fourth-best defense. Nevertheless, that balance has them in second place in overall goal differential. I think that they're probably going to hang right there, battle for that uh, second-best spot with Seattle. Your MVP on the year, in my opinion, for them, tied for second best in league scoring on the year. That would be Dennis Boanga. He has netted 14. He is from uh, Gabon. He is their left winger and all-star as well. Came over from St. Etienne, which I believe right now is in the League 2 in France, their second division. Team's current form, well, they just beat their crosstown rivals, the Galaxy and El Trafico, and that snapped a three-match surprise losing streak. Match number B. That's right, daughter dearest, number B, because we believe number two to be bathroom talk, and we are sure of it. Replace that phrase in your live do bites with the much more classy number B. Listen to it in action right now. Match number B is another Saturday match, and it comes to us from our region, but not the United States. We're headed south to the Dominican Republic, where the top flight is called the Liga Mayor. This is the 12th ranked league in our region of CONCACAF, and it is considered to be the third best of the four uh, professional leagues in the Caribbean. The top two finishers from this league will get to go to the CONCACAF Caribbean Cup next year. That is a feeder tournament they have to do well in in order to get to the CONCACAF Champions Cup that we mentioned in match number one. Now here domestically, they've got nine teams in the league. The top six all got to make it to the Champions Round. That is where they are right now. The top four from that will advance to a bracketed playoff called the Final Round. This is the last match of the Championship Round, and there is a three-way tie for first place. The matchup we're looking at is number BCA Pantoja versus number three Mocha. They are each separated, the three teams, by one on gold differential, so it just about couldn't be much tighter. By the way, uh, the number one team right now is uh, Cibao, and they get to play at number six, Universidad O&M. So they get the weakest of the Champions Round teams, but it is on the road. And, also worth noting, all three of the other teams we haven't mentioned, they are all still mathematically alive for the number four berth. So it's going to be a heck of a match weekend there. 
Uh, when they played earlier this round, uh, Moco only managed to draw at their place nil-nil. Let's talk about Pantoja first. They were founded in 1999, uh, mostly by a group of Argentinian immigrants, interestingly. They play in the capital city of Santa Domingo and are known as the Warriors. Six times they have won the Division I title, most recently in 2019. They also won this event in 2018. Last year, they finished in sixth place in their regular season, so barely squeaked in. And yet, then they ended up finishing number one in the champion round and finished second place overall. Uh, currently, they are number three in the uh, five-team CONCACAF uh, Caribbean Cup group. So they're playing in that event that they're trying to qualify for next year right now and doing okay, but not great. Here in the champions round, looking at their statistics, they are tied for number one on offense, getting a little bit over two goals per match. Defense is a little bit below average, though. Team's current form, well, the defenses have been good enough. They're unbeaten in their last six, although it's worth mentioning they have not kept a clean sheet in their last five. And now your visitors, Mocha. That is uh, the town that they are named for as well. It is only the 10th biggest one in the island country, 175,000 people roughly, to the north side of the North central part of the country, pretty near the capital, really. It's very well known for its banking sector and a lot of coffee production as well. It's a much older club, founded in 1971, and it is very much considered the cradle of football, quote-unquote, uh, here in the DR. Last year, they finished in third place in the regular season, second place in the championship round, and then lost in the playoff semifinal. The offense is a little bit lacking, but they've got the number one defense here in the championship round, only giving up two goals every three matches on average. Team's current form, they are 2-1-0 in their last three. Uh, the draw of those in their most recent match was one of the three, uh, the only one of the three that was on the road. Match number three. And at long last, the English Premier League, the greatest league in the world, is five matches in. That's sort of our self-imposed minimum for when we start considering matches to have anything uh, akin to stakes. It's still very early, though, but nevertheless, we at least want to make mention of the North London Derby, one of the true great rivalries in all of England. Arsenal, and they are in fourth place very early in the season, versus number B, the dreaded Tottenham Hotspur. Dreaded because they are named for a historical figure who was nicknamed the Hotspur and who was a traitor to not one, but two different kings here in uh, Noob headquarters. We have never understood why a team would be named for such a nefarious figure, but we have reached out. We understand we're being put in touch with a, uh, an adjunct professor from, I think, the University of Bath, who's going to explain to us a little bit of the history about why Tottenham Hotspur is named as it is and why they agree with us and are so in favor of our scorn. Take it away, esteemed guest. Well, that's unfortunate. We seem to be getting some transatlantic interference on the connection there. Perhaps we'll be able to touch base with the professor another time, but at least until we can hear uh, more from uh, him or her about the dreaded Tottenham Hotspur. We got to hear about, quite ironically, 
uh, we got to hear some music there from Steve Howe, who is one of the greatest musicians to come from where Arsenal is located. Uh, Holloway, London, which is actually an inner city district of the London Borough of Islington, where they play. If you're not familiar with the name Steve Howe, or you just not, you know, maybe you don't know the bands because you're not old enough, or maybe you just didn't know the names, but he was a guitarist very famously with the bands Yes and Asia, amongst others. I recognize that uh, sound he was uh, playing there, that little ditty. It was simply called Clap, and he had a lot of fun with that one. Match number four. Our weekend continues in South America, specifically Brazil, where they have reached the second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. That is the FA Cup Brazilian final. The winner is going to get to go on to the Copa Libertadores. That is uh, the South American version of the Champions League. For those who are unfamiliar with FA Cups, by the way, they are bracketed knockout tournaments, uh, typically played by not only teams from the top flight, but teams from various divisions uh, going well down that country's pyramid. The bigger the country usually the uh, greater number of teams that get to participate. It is two top-flight Serie A teams, no surprise, that have made the final. Sao Paulo, and they will be taking on Flamengo at their place for the second leg. Sao Paulo had the better of it on the road to start off. They've got a nil-one advantage already. Series between these two, however, the last several years has been very even. They've each accrued 12, 8, and 12 records. Uh, you can watch this final if your satellite package runs deep enough, 3 o'clock in the afternoon Eastern Time U.S. on Red de Globo. All right, Sao Paulo, we'll talk about them first as the home team. Uh, this was the home to the famous football player Kaka, who, la- who was the last Brazilian to win the Balloon, uh, the Ballon d'Or, which is uh, you know the award for the best football player in the world. They advanced to this final from the semifinal over Corinthians 3-2 on aggregate. Their best finish ever in this event was runner-up, and that was in the year 2000. As far as Serie A goes, they have won six league titles. Most recent one was 2008. They've also won the Copa Libertadores three different times, 2005 most recently. Currently uh, having a bit of a shaky league season. They're only in 13th, a little bit above average. That doesn't even qualify them for the Copa Sudamericana, the secondary international club tournament in South America. So they really need this for any realistic shot at international play. The problem has been the offense. They are not even averaging one and a quarter goals per match. The defense has been a bit above average. They're giving up just over a goal per match. MVP for them of the season, in my opinion, has been a teenager. Yeah, just 19 years old. Play center back for them, Lucas Beraldo. He's got a goal on top of all of his defensive efforts. He's a, a great uh, tracker back on defense and has loads of clearances. This is only his second year in professional senior club soccer, yet he is already very high on the watch, watch list for uh, English Premier League teams like Newcastle, Watford, Wolverhampton, as well as Benfica over in Portugal. Team's current form, well, that leg one win that they got snapped a four match league losing streak and they just fell out of the Copa Sudamericana in which they were playing and now Flamengo they play in the affluent suburb in Rio called Agavia they are known as the evil one or the vulture the latter being slang for a poor and or African uh, descended person which they have gone ahead and seized and made their own that particular term Uh, this is thought to be the most supported club in the entire nation actually they too have won the Copa Libertadores three different times and they are your defending champions Uh, four different times uh 
they have won this event. They are also the defending champions of that. Seven league titles as well. Last time they won, that was three years ago. They advanced to the semifinal over Gremio on uh, aggregate 3-0. Uh, they're having a much better league season as well than their counterparts today. They are in fourth place in Serie A. The defense has left a lot to be desired, but things are pretty tight in that regard. They do have the fourth best offense getting a bit over one and a half goals per match. Tied for number one in event scoring for them, guy to look for is the singularly named Pedro. He plays striker for them, has five goals. Uh, he was briefly with Fiorentino over in Serie A in Italy, so pretty nice get for him. He's also got six national team appearances. Team's current form, well, they've lost two straight, and both of those were at home. Can it go better for them on the road? Match number five. Match number five is the big Prague Derby. Sparta versus Slavia. They are in the top two very early in the season there in the Czech Republic. And as great as this derby is, it's dead even over the years, by the way. Recently, 13, 8, and 13 are their collective records. They're tied on points. They will probably, almost certainly, in fact, be the top two and fairly close together later in the season. So this is a great time for us to take a break to do cover a subject that is very near and dear to uh, my star co-host and daughter's heart, endangered animals. So this is animals, animals, animals from around the world. Should we ever have somebody write an actual melody? Because you and I seem to do two very different things. Or is this the best way? Yes. I think it is the best way. You're right. We don't need it to make sense. But what is going to make sense is your love for this animal. What is the animal that you have chosen? The great bustard. I want it to be like bastard. That way it can sound like the great bastardo. I want him to be a magician instead of a bird. What kind of tricks would the great bastardo do? All of them. All the tricks. That's the All correct answer. Either that or four. Four is, Four is always the answer to numerically based questions. All right, so we're going to look at the great bustard. This is out of the, there isn't a uh, different kind of bird. I don't think that it's just called a bustard. Uh, the bustard is a name of a family of birds, but the great bustard is a great big one. What is its current status? Vulnerable since 1996. Oh. Yep. And in fact, I will tell you, uh, those are from your notes. Very good. From my notes, I can even tell you that this bird at one point was driven to complete extinction in England. You used to be able to find it that far west in Europe. It has been reintroduced, but it's still sort of considered an alien or non-native bird at this point. I'm not sure how many of them there are, but they are found all over the world. What kind of part, what kind of areas do we find them in? Uh, Central Europe to parts of Asia. Uh, uh, as far as South and Northern Africa. And what can you tell us about what the birds look like? Because it kind of changes a little bit depending on where they're from. Well, the rarer the birds are, instead of black and brown, with some white and gold. So the further east, the grayer they are. Mm -hmm. Interesting. All right, and what is probably the most noteworthy thing about this animal? They're one of the heaviest flying animals in the world. Yeah, you would look at this thing and go, that thing could eat an entire butterball turkey on its own. And turkeys don't even fly, as we know, of course, from WKRP, right? Yeah. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. One of the great television lines in history. We're not talking about turkeys. We're talking about great bustards, aren't we? All right, about how big do these things get? Um, males can on average get to about 3.5 feet tall, have, an, have a nearly 10-foot wingspan, 
in weigh 40 pounds. 40 pounds. Well, I would still, as I often do, well, always do, I want to eat the endangered animals because I figure they're tastier. I don't think I could eat a whole one. No. I think I think a great bustard would make a meal for like a whole week. <laughs> Probably. Actually, historically, and I think it was over in England, part of the reason that they were driven to extinction there was because it was thought that these birds would be and were apparently very easy to domesticate and raise much like turkeys, but they were even bigger than turkeys. And so that's why they were driven to extinction. All right, what's the heaviest one ever documented? 46 pounds. Holy cow. And are the males and females all the same size? Uh, no. Males are about two, two and a half times as big as females. That is a big, tall bird. You could have one of these instead of an attack dog if it's aggressive enough. Probably. What do you think? Or if we were to get one, would it displace our cats, or do you think they would get along? It would probably displace our cats. Yeah, probably. Cats normally chase birds. I don't see our cats chasing a 40-pound bird, though. No how, no way. What else can you tell us about uh, what they look like and what kind of area they uh, like to live in? They've got long legs, a long neck, and a barrel chest. And where do they like to live? They like rolling, uh, rolling grassland best for habitat. Uh, and they avoid places with people, like areas with heavy insects. And what do they eat? They're omnivorous, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do they like to eat? Seeds and insects, mostly. Mm, me too. What? Okay, that's not really true. Mm -hmm. Although I think I did have a chocolate grasshopper once. I wonder if bustards would eat chocolate grasshoppers. Maybe. Would you eat a chocolate grasshopper? chocolate-covered grasshopper, not a not a piece of chocolate just shaped like a... Mm. It would have real grasshopper inside. Mm -hmm. Probably be tasty. Least, least that's my guess. I'm not very picky. So, uh, what, do they, what do they do to talk to each other? What do they like as far as the sounds they make? Uh, uh they're usually silent. Uh, though, though males can make big, booming noises if angered or scared. <clears throat> yeah, I'll bet they do. A 40-pound bird that's ticked off I'll bet would make a really big uh, what about the what about the ladybirds uh a, a surprise females will trill or coo to mothers gotcha what else can you tell us about the relationship between the males and the females outside of breeding season males and females don't interact oh that sounds well you're not married so you wouldn't you wouldn't have a perspective on this but that sounds peaceful Are you biting your tongue in a joke about me and your mom? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, we do just fine. That's not true. We don't want to talk about breeding season at all, do we? That would raise your discomfort level, would it not? Probably. Probably. <laughs> la, 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 fingers in the ears. Okay, but how long do they typically live? Ten years. Females do live longer than males. <clears throat> Uh, I think the males actually fight each other during breeding season. Oh, I think that would be better than MMA. Just have a couple of these, you know, big video of birds out of the wild making their big, booming, 40-pound bird noises at each other ah. and then fighting and killing each Boom. other. Violets! Violets! Yes. All right, so outside of males fighting other males within their own species, what, what, are, the, what, what are the typical threats to these animals? Well, adults are not typically hunted by any by other animals. No, I wouldn't think so. It's a big 40-pound damn bird, pardon my language. You can't say that. I just did. The, All right, but what about the babies? The babies? The nests are often raided by, uh, by a lot of different animals, uh, like red foxes and hidden 
crows to their mouths. Oh, so they got to worry about land animals and other birds eating the eggs and eating the babies. Well, that's no good. At least if I was going to eat when I would want to eat a full-size Butterball Bustard. Ooh, that rolls off the tongue, Butterball Bustard. Okay, here's a question. Better band name or album title? Butterball Bustard. Band name. Band name, okay. Well, we're, what kind of music would they play? Emo garage band music. Ooh, can you sing us some? <laughs> that's no, a, I cannot. That's a good answer as well. All right, uh, what else? Uh, what, what's really the big threat to them overall then? Why human, are they so vulnerable? Human agriculture. Changing and reducing their habitats. Gotcha. That's the way it is with a lot of animals. We keep re repurposing land for stuff that we think that we need, and it takes away the habitat from other animals, doesn't it? Nothing that so we what, need. You want me to handle the preservation part of the notes? All right, because this was a little bit weird. It gets political slightly in a very long name, but we did our research. And uh, now in Austria, for example, and I'm sure they are in other places, uh, you can find protected areas specifically related to these birds and other ones potentially. But the biggest thing historically was the Convention on Migratory Species of Wild Animals, or the CMS, also known as the Bond Convention, or the Memorandum of Understanding, the MOU, on the Conservation and Management of Middle European Populations of the Great Bustard. In the time it takes to say all that, you could have found a new solution for saving great bustards. Yeah. Or eating one. No. No. Do not take, eat them. It would take longer than that. Not that was in 2001. Bustard. I want to say, well, Bond Convention, so that was in Germany. I was going to say England, but that's not right. So these are protected in a lot of areas in Europe. At the very least, I think this means it's probably illegal to you know, go out and hunt them, but the places that are specifically designed to protect them are fewer and farther between, unfortunately. So, if you would like to do your part to save the mighty, angry, booming, great busters, go ahead and use your own Google machine powers to find out how you can find preservation areas that might interest you in Europe, Western Asia, or Northern Africa, right? Yeah. We want to save them. Once they're no longer vulnerable status, can I eat them then? No. I'm going to be a vegetarian by the time you're all done with me and if the course of the show runs its life, then won't I? I won't be allowed to eat any animals. No. Maybe I'll lose some weight. Rat. What should we eat instead? We should eat bread. Because bread is delicious. Fair enough. And this was... Animals from around the world. Oh, yeah. One would think after 150 plus episodes, the cats would learn to keep track of these matches themselves. Oh well, until that magically happens, let's keep on giving them recaps of the previous week's matches. Here we go. Match number one last week was a Saturday match from the FA Cup in Iceland. Vikinger Reykjavik versus KA. It was the favorites. Vikinger getting a 3-1 win. That means that it is number four league finisher Snjornin who will actually get to go to the Europa Conference League. Congratulations to them as well. Match number B from the African Champions League second qualifying round. First leg of the home and away two-legged tie. Real Bamako out of Mali playing host to Nuadhibu from Mauritania. And it was Nuadhibu getting a resounding road win. Nil three. Goodness. Match number three from the FK Cup in England. It is very early even in the qualifying rounds. One 
plus fun times. Worcester City taking on Leak Town, and it was Leak Town getting a nil-two win. Match number four from Peru's Primera División, where they're in the Clausura stage. Number one, Sporting Cristal took on number B, Universitario de Deportes. They played to a nil-nil draw. No change in the table there, just moves in the place of the top. Is that much tighter? Match number five from the Serie A of Ecuador, number B, Mushuk Runa, a surprise top table entrant, versus number three, Delphine, and it was Mushuk Runa getting the 2-0 win. Good on them. Diego Ledzema had a goal for them, guy we said to look for. Uh, they are now in first place. Congratulations to the new league leaders. Tuesday, match number six from the AFC Champions League group stage. Kaya out of the Philippines took on Shandong Taishan, and it was the Chinese visitors getting a 1-3 win. Wednesday, match number seven from the UEFA Champions League group stage is getting started. Sevilla versus Lentz. They played to a 1-1 drop. Match number eight from the CONCACAF Women Gold Cup qualifiers. Dominica versus Suriname. Dominica, they couldn't get anything done. Lost nil four to their visitors. Thursday, match number nine from the CONCACAF Caribbean Cup. Number five, Jamaica's Dunbeholden versus Surinamese. Yeah, two appearances in a row. Robin Hood, and it was Robin Hood getting the nil-two win. That's really something. Guy we said to look for was most definitely managed the match. Shaquille Cairo. Name so cool, it almost sounds made up, but amazingly it's not. He had both goals. That moves Robin Hood up to number one in their table, and the Jamaicans down to number five. Match number 10 was our feature Major League Soccer match, number four in the West Houston versus number one, St. Louis. They played to a 1-1 draw, no change in the table there. And now your three bonus matches with explanations coming later on in the episode. Wednesday's USL League One match from the route of the week was last place Central Valley Fuego taking on league leaders North Carolina. North Carolina, keep on league leading you, North Carolinians or something. They won nil three. Olex Anderson and Rafael Mensa goals. They're Mensa again. They're, uh, they each had goals. Their stars came out to shine. The most meaningless match in the world was the Thursday match from the Liga Nacional of Honduras. Number seven, Lobos UPNFM took on number six, CD Marathon. And it was Marathon getting a 1-3 win. And uh, Lobos, Eric Andino had their only goal. I thought he'd be man of the match if they got the win. And then your most disappointing match was from Tuesday, the English Championship, the second division in England. Number 23, Sheffield Wednesday, took on number 24, last place Middlesbrough. They played to a disappointing 1-1 draw. No change to the table there. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's get right back into tracking the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. Now we pay a visit to... The Asian Football Confederation, although do you really consider Australia to be Asian? It only is in the football sense. They left the Oceania Football Confederation about a decade ago, now playing the Asian one, and they are having their own FA Cup tournament there down under. But it is only in its semifinal, nevertheless, a very intriguing match. The winner of this does get an international berth. They will go to the 2024-25, what right now is called the AFC Cup, their secondary tournament right below the Champions League. That name will be changed by then. They are going to simply call it the Champions League 2. Now, that's fine as they don't include number in there because then it would have to be Champions League B. All right, your matchup, Melbourne Knights. Do you know them? I did not. Versus Brisbane Boar, more likely to be known because they are from the A-League. And I said Brisbane Boar, but it is Brisbane Roar. Really cool nickname. All right, Melbourne Knights. Uh, they play out of the, in the Melbourne area out of the 
suburb of Sunshine North, which is an area of about 12,000 just west of the city center. They were founded in 1953 by Croatian immigrants, and their club support very largely still comes from this community, almost exclusively. They are not a Division I side, hence the reason that we are covering this match. Very exciting to have a team from the second division or one of the many leagues that make up the second division. They play in the National Premier League in the state of Victoria, which is probably one of the two best of the top flight state leagues. They'll be hosting this at Knights Stadium, which has a total capacity of about 15,000. And even though they play in the second flight, twas not always so. And they are, in fact, one of the more successful teams in all of Australian footballing history. They've won four different Division I titles in the past, and in all-time total wins, they still rank in the top five. They had to enter this event at the round of 32 level, and they have had luck on their side. They have yet to play an A-League men's league team. That is the top flight overall in Australia. And they have always won the coin flip or draw, however they do it, to be the home team, just as they have now. But now they have to play Brisbane Roar from the top flight. All right, key players to look for. Uh, tied for number three in event scoring with three is Mitchell. I'm going to pronounce it Orr. It's spelled H-O-R-E. I, I, I'm just wanting the H to be silent for obvious reasons. They just fell out of the National Premier League Victoria uh, playoffs. They've reached their postseason right now. They finished the regular season there number four. In terms of offense, they were only a little bit above average, but it's a very high-scoring league. They were getting almost two per match. They were a distant fifth place as far as defense in their league, giving up over one and a third goals per match. So not the strongest league season they could have had, but they have been doing great in this event, obviously. And another key player to look for is the top 10 league scorer with 10 on the year. I'm going to pronounce it uh, Gian, G-I-A-N, Albano. As far as Brisbane Roar, we will get to them another time. Uh, just for brevity's sake, you know, this was the reason why we really wanted to cover this event was because of the Division II Melbourne Knights. Match number seven. Still more Sunday action, and we return to Europe to the small nation of Moldova, where the top flight is the Superliga. And no, we don't care that it's a small nation because there is a three-way tie for first place, and it is the stakes that interest us. This is the 30th ranked league in all of Europe. That's up two from the last time the uh, UEFA coefficient was calculated. They get to send their champion to the first qualifying round of the Champions League, one team to the second qualifying round of the tertiary tournament Europa Conference League and then another one to the first qualifying round of that one. So a little bit more than the bare minimum. It's pretty darn early in the season, but when there's a three-way tie, we don't care about that. Your matchup is currently number B, Zimbru, versus number three, the more famous FC uh, Sharif. Part of a three-way tie for first place with Melsame Orhe. Uh, Sheriff currently have the highest goal differential, but that is not the first tiebreaker in this league. It'll come down to head-to-head if it comes to that later on. Truthfully, I don't think it will. Sheriff is the reigning power in this league, and we'll see some stats that'll back up. That's probably going to be the way things turn this year, but that's part of why this is such an important match. Can Zembru hold off the coming tide? Let's talk about them first. They play out of the city of Kishinaw which is in the east-central part of the country, 700,000 people there. That's about a third of the entire country's population. It's the most populous, uh, prosperous area in the country, and it's also the capital. 
And by the way, Zimbru, in case you're wondering, is a Romanian word for a European bison. So that's sort of their own official mascot. They've won eight of the first nine league titles after this country had independence from the Soviet Union, but none since then. Internationally, they went to the Europa Conference League this year and advanced to the second qualifying round before losing. 2000-2001, they made the Champions League third qualifying round. That's the best performance that they've probably ever had or you know, most impressive one. 2014-15, more recently, they played in the secondary tournament, the Europa League, and made it one round further, the playoff round that immediately precedes the group stage. Last year in league play, they finished in third place. This year, they're tied for second best in offense, getting uh, over one and a third goals per match. Uh, they're tied for that with three of the seven other clubs. There's not a lot of separation yet. They've only allowed two goals in their seven matches. That is best in the league. But then again, they haven't played Sharif yet. Key player to look for, tied for third best in scoring the league with three, is Marin Carontu. He is from Romania and plays center forward for them. He was with a team called St. George last year, but they dissolved, I think. I've seen some conflicting information, but I don't think that club exists anymore. Team's current form, they have won four straight with an impressive 7-1 goal differential. And now, uh, Sheriff or Sharif, whichever you prefer, they are the Wasps and play out of Tiraspol, which is the capital of the unrecognized breakaway state of Transnistria. If you can imagine a map, there's a really thin little strip of land that's part of uh, the part of Moldova that uh, lies more or less along uh, Ukraine, and that is Transnistria. And it's like being in a whole different country. They effectively still think of themselves as Russian. And I mean Soviet Russian. Yeah. Uh, they have the number one offense going by almost a factor of two, two and two thirds goals per match almost. Uh, they have only given up three goals in their seven games and have a goal differential that's about two times better than anybody else. Key player to look for so far in the year, tied for third best in scoring, is the singularly named Livinor, who plays central forward for them. This is his third time with his club, interestingly. And I don't mean third straight year. I mean, he has left and come back two different times. Also tied with him uh, is Amin Talal from Morocco. He's a midfielder then. Came over from Bastia, which is a uh, Division II French team. Team's current form, they have won two straight, and they are currently battling in the Europa League group stage. Match number eight. We head to Africa for our next match, the final one for our week. Headed to Mozambique, where the top flight is called the Moshambola. It is unranked within the African Football Confederation. They only bother to calculate ratings for about the top 60% of the leagues there. Uh, they're in the last large handful of matches there in the season. And the matchup, usually you're number one, but right now you're number B, Black Bulls Maputo, fighting for another crown against number one, Ferroviario Beira. Uh, right now, uh, Beira, they lead Black Bulls by four points in the table. So if they can somehow manage three points here on the road, which would be a very tall order, that will seal up the title. More likely is the three-point swing the other way, and we have one heck of a race. Obviously, a draw would be somewhat in between. But that's all you're going to get out of Noob for this particular one because this is the time of show where I start to regret not having snacked or eaten enough earlier. My tumbly is starting to get a little rumbly and it's time for a culture break which nearly always mean food sure it could be art or architecture or you know a myriad of other things but 
Food is the favorite. We're going to look at a somewhat unique one in some ways and in some ways not. Starch is starch, but nevertheless, this is a very interesting dessert cake recipe that is very popular. comes from one of the suburbs of Maputo, which is the capital of Mozambique. The cake is called Bolo Palana. It is a cashew and potato cake. I will not give you a plain rundown of the ingredients, but we'll jump right into the instructions so you can close your eyes and try to imagine the sights and make Maybe some of the smells of this incredibly moist and sweet cake. I haven't made it yet myself, but that is what seems to be the draw for this. All right, so you're going to preheat your oven to about 360 degrees. Not too unusual, but good to know since you're dealing with a cake with no flour in it whatsoever. It's all going to be mashed potato instead. I know, sounds gross for a dessert cake, right? It doesn't look the best from very close up. It's like the Mona Lisa. It looks better from further away. But again, I understand it tastes just divine. You're going to want, in order to be traditional, a spring form cake tin to make this in. You're going to butter the bottom of the sides of it, of course. And then in a large bowl, you're going to cream the butter that is part of the recipe and the sugar until it's very light and creamy. Then you beat in the mashed potatoes right into that, plus ground cashew nuts, zest of lemon and zest of orange. That's what is going to give this uh, some balance is those uh, citrusy zests. Now you will add in the egg yolks that you have had on hand, uh, one at a time, blending those very well. You need to have a very smooth mix to go with this particular recipe. In a separate bowl, you're going to whisk the egg whites. Yes, you will have separated these in advance until they are stiff. Then, and only then, when you fold the egg whites into the batter, pour the cake batter into the cake tin, and then bake in the oven for one hour until it is golden brown. Remove it. Don't serve this hot or even warm. It needs to be entirely cool to be at its best. I know, cold potatoes sound weird, but this is different. Trust me. Now, to be traditional, you'll garnish the top with a few roasted cashew nuts. Note the cashews have multiple places in this recipe. Uh, that is not at all coincidental. I don't think they are now, but Mozambique used to be uh, the world leader in cashew production. So no matter what kind of food, dessert or otherwise, you're looking for from Mozambique, if it's traditional, it's probably got cashews cashew nuts involved. But now this very unique seeming, at least to me, dessert cake is ready for you to enjoy. And I hope that, uh, I know it's a soccer show, but I really hope you enjoy these culture breaks and learning something a little different. Match number nine. After all that tracking, you get Monday off, but time to get back to it on Tuesday for match number nine. We're back to our own region, CONCACAF, specifically the Caribbean Islands nation of St. Kitts and Nevis, their Premier League is in its final round, second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. This is not one of the overall professional leagues within CONCACAF, but it's probably one of the stronger ones of the amateur leagues. The champion of this event will not go to the aforementioned CONCACAF Caribbean Cup, which is a feeder for the CONCACAF Champions Cup. They have to start one tournament earlier in the CONCACAF Caribbean shield for all the amateur leagues. And if they can get a high enough finish in that, then they get to advance to the CONCACAF Caribbean Cup. All right. Uh, the final appears to be a best of three between these two teams. We do. Uh, the first leg has not yet been played, sort of arbitrarily chose the day of the week that they would be playing their second one, because this is essentially when the title could be determined. Your matchup is Village Superstars. Yeah, we visited them a couple weeks ago versus St. Paul's. 
Uh, Superstars won the champions round, the second of the three stages in this league, by one point over St. Paul's, and that's why they get to host the first and potentially third matches in this overall three-match possible series. All right, Superstars, let's review what we learned about them a couple of weeks ago. They play in the capital city of Basseterre. They have won seven league titles. I believe the most recent was 2017-18. Last year, they finished in just fourth place, or last season, I should say, 2020-21. They took the subsequent year sort of off from league play, as did everyone due to COVID. They finished the regular season, or first stage this year, in third place. They tied for number one in offense, getting almost two goals per match, had a defense that was in the top three as well. Team's current form, they are unbeaten in their previous 16 straight matches. And now St. Paul, a team that's a little bit newer to us, uh, they play in St. Paul Capistere, which is a village or town, depending on how you want to label it, of about 1,200 in the far north central part of the larger island of St. Kitts. This used to be a major sugarcane production area. I'm not really sure what happened, but they have fallen on much harder economic times in recent years. The footy's been pretty good, though. They've won five league titles, most recently 2019-20. They have uh, essentially the same offensive and defensive stats from the first stage of the season as their opponents today. This should be a whale of a series. St. Paul's current form, their loss in the final championship round match snapped a five-match unbeaten streak for them. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! And so everything comes full circle. Match number one, we started out with our feature Major League Soccer match. And this time we end with two Major League Soccer teams that have reached, unsurprisingly, the final of the U.S. Open Cup. This is our country's FA Cup, and the winner gets to go to the CONCACAF Champions Cup. Game is playing played in Miami. Inter-Miami is one of your two finalists. They will be playing host to Houston Dynamo. Uh, Inter-Miami is a very young team, which I'm sure you know, and so their series has been a brief one. Houston have had a slight advantage, accruing a 2-0-1 record in their three meetings. This fourth meeting will be at 8.30 Eastern time in the evening on CBS Sports Network or Universo if you prefer the Spanish-language broadcast. And why wouldn't one? It's a lovely language. All right, Inter-Miami. They are known as the Herons. Uh, They won the League's Cup this year, so they are already qualified amazingly for the CONCACAF Champions Cup. The League's Cup, by the way, was a tournament between all the Liga MX teams, the top flight in Mexico, and all the Major League Soccer teams. But I'm sure they want to hoist another trophy this year. They're almost certainly not going to do it for league play. We'll find out momentarily. To get to this final, they beat number one in the East Cincinnati in the semifinal. It took penalty kicks. They had a 3-3 shootout and then came out on top 4-5 to on penalty kicks. They are currently in 14th or second to last place in league play in the East, though. Just had a dreadful first half of the season. Part of the issue is they've had the fewest draws of anybody in their conference, four, and therefore they've had the most losses, 15. Uh, Overall for the season, they're tied for number nine on offense, not even quite managing one and a quarter goal per match. The defense has been really atrocious, though. Almost one and two-thirds goals they're giving up per 90 minutes. They're tied for number 13 in overall goal differential. Some people are still holding out hope that because they have added uh, world's greatest player, arguably, in Messi, that they will somehow be able to win all the rest of their games and make the playoffs and then win the playoffs. I think they've got too many teams to leapfrog to get into the top nine in league play. So this is likely their last shot at a trophy, but it's amazing that they've got one, let alone have another one. 
but I guess that's what adding a world-class superstar will do for you. Best player on their team outside of Messi on the season has probably been their striker, 23-year-old Ecuadorian Leonardo Campana. He just signed an extension with Inter Miami a few days ago. Good on him. Team's current form, well, they have been playing like they could make the playoffs, I suppose. They just lost 2-5 to to Atlanta, but that snapped a 12-match unbeaten streak for them. All right, now Houston, nicknamed the Orange Crush. They won this event in 2018, so this is not new territory for them. They are also your two-time league champions, although it's been 16 years since the last time they hoisted the regular season trophy. They advanced to the final over Real Salt Lake in the semifinal 3-1 on added extra time. Always glad to see Real Salt Lake losing because the lesson is always kids is, Real means royal, and there is no royalty in Salt Lake in Utah nor in America. What an incredibly ludicrous name. All right, off my soapbox. Currently, Houston is number five in the Western Conference. Offense is okay. Defense has been really good. Number three in that regard, they've been giving up less than one and a quarter goals per match. Tied for second best in assists for the entire league is... Hector Herrera, he's got nine of those. He's a Mexican international, plays central midfield for them, veteran, 33 years old. He was an all-star this year. Spent most of his league with Porto, one of the big three over in Portugal. And then some people have been really high on their goalkeeper because he's tied for uh, having the most clean sheets in the league. That's 37-year-old American veteran Steve Clark. I've been less impressed, though. He's really closer to the bottom of the league in save percentage. It's the defensive in front of him that's been getting it done, although credit where it's due. Certainly, he's been directing them to some degree at the very least. Team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last six, although their last two were draws. Bring forth the bonus matches. And now for perhaps my favorite part of the podcast, the three unique and super cool bonus matches. First of all, thank you very much for everybody who took the time to vote on Twitter amongst the candidate matches to help us determine what the lively content would be. You could find me and my daughter there for polls or just talking soccer in general at Soccer Noob USA on Twitter. Oh, excuse me. X. Sorry about that. Uh, Elon, Mr. Mux. Mux? Musk, I can speak. All right, our first one is a first versus last place matchup that my daughter dramatically calls the route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And it is a Tuesday match. We're headed back to Europe once again, Northern Europe, Estonia specifically, where the top flight is called the Maestra Liga. Oh, one of my very first soccer league loves because of the two I's in Liga, L-I-I-G-A, Liga. Yeah, I'd never seen it before, and it is just entrancing. Where they are in the coefficients, not so much so. They are only ranked number 48 out of the 55 leagues in Europe, so they only get the minimum number of European berths. In other words, one to the Champions League first qualifying round, a pair of teams to the first qualifying round of the Europa Conference League next season. Equally relevant, on the other end of the spectrum, uh, one of these 10 teams will get relegated, and uh, one, the second-to-last place team, will fight for their top-flight lives at the end of the year in what's called a relegation playoff match with the runner-up from the second division. Your roadkill match, number 10, Haru Yalkapalikul. 
might be right. Versus number one, FCI Lavadia. A little better with that one. Uh, Lavadia are currently tied with Flora Tallinn, but ahead on tiebreaker. At the top of the table, on the other end of things, uh, FK Haru, much easier to say. They trail number nine, uh, Tamika, by nine points. Yeah, this team is definitely going down because they're uh, two-thirds of the way or so through the regular season here. This is one of the summer leagues in Europe, so they've already been going a while, unlike the Premier League and La Liga at all. Series between these two is a very brief one and has gone 1-1-1, one, one, and one, interestingly. I'm surprised Haru have gotten any points off of Lavadia. All right, we'll talk about Haru first. They play out of the city of Lagri, which is in the north-central, kind of northwest-central part of the country, has a population of about 5,000. They play in Haryuma County, which is one of the 15 counties in the country, and it's only about 15 miles from the capital city. Club is a fairly young one, founded in 2009. 2015, they entered into the, uh, they decided to try to get away from the truly amateur weeks and uh, ranks and entered into the fourth level of the Estonian pyramid and they got promoted four straight years. This, however, is their first year in Division One. Congratulations, you're going right back down, are you? Um, they won the Essie Liga, which is the second division and also has two eyes in it. Ooh, noob likey. Um, and so that's why they got promoted to the top flight. Uh, their defense is pretty bad, but the offense is where they've been seriously suffering. They've got the worst O by a lot, barely getting more than two-thirds of a goal per match on average. And they've got the worst overall goal differential of the league by a factor of 50%. They've only scored one more goal than total number of losses they'd endured on the season. I wonder if that's an over-under you could find in a sports book anywhere in the world. I would be intrigued. Sort of a little fun fact here, two of the three players on the team which have three goals, and that's good for the team lead on the year, have the last name Usta, U-S-T-A. I can only assume or guess that they are related. Team's current form, they have lost four straight with an unsurprising yet unfortunate one versus ten goal differential. You know, that's only going to get worse here, even at home against FCI Lavadia. A club that's only a little bit older, founded in 1998. They moved to the capital city of Tallinn from Haru County uh, in 2004. And just a few years ago, they went from big to even bigger when they merged with a club called FCI Tallinn. They have won 10 league titles. Last one was two years ago. Last year, they just missed out finishing in second place. This year, second best offense, but the number one defense going, giving up just over a half a goal on average every other match. They're still not my favorite to win the league, but I wouldn't want to necessarily bet actual money against them. Key players to look for, tied for number one in league, scoring with 11. Uh, from Ghana, their right midfielder, Ernest Aguirre, Although he's not with them anymore. I realize in my notes I had to scroll down a touch farther. He just signed last month with a Danish club called Randers. That might explain why they're not playing quite as good lately. So the guy they're trying to lean on now for the scoring, he's in the top 10 with seven, is from Mali. He plays center back for them but gets up the field quite a bit apparently. That is Famba Borama. And believe it or not, we have a USA connection here. They've got a defender named Vuk Latinovich, who played for uh, NYC FC from 2021 until 2022. I think he made less than 20 appearances for them between the two years. Team's current form, well, they just had a 1-0 win against number six, uh, Payday 
Lena Miskan, that snapped an 0-3-1 streak. So apparently, since losing their top scorer, they have really struggled. Maybe this won't be such a route after all. We shall see. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. I wonder if we could ever get somebody like Apollonia or Sheila E to join us on a rendition of the song celebrating two mid-table top flight soccer teams from somewhere in the world. We dare to dream here at Noob Headquarters. The one you have voted for is a Sunday match from the Premier League of Bhutan, which is ranked number 39 in all of Asia. The winner will get to go to the Champions League 2 in a year or so. Don't think they have any relegation out of this 10-team league where they're almost halfway through the season. Your meaningless matchup, number six, RTC versus number five, Druk Leul. Uh, Druk, they lead RTC by four points in the table, although RTC have a match in hand. To show just how meaningless the match is, Druk Leul, they trail number one, Paro, and it's win to get in. There are no second, there's no berths for second place. By 11 points, RTC, while they lead uh, number 10, uh, I didn't make a note of who it was, but they lead the last place team by eight points. While there's no relegation, you don't want to finish in last place. That's no good anyway. These two teams, uh, they don't have a care in the world when it comes to those two things. We'll talk about RTC first. That stands for Royal Timpu College, Timpu being the capital of the nation. Club was founded in 2009, or at least I assume it was. That's when the college was founded and is the first private one in the nation. Uh, they are actually located in, I'm going to pronounce it, uh, Ngabifu. It might be uh, Wabifu, depending on how you want to treat the NG beginning there. That is a rural area just several miles outside of the city proper. The league was founded actually two years later in 2011. Uh, since 2012-13, that's as far back as I could easily find any records, they haven't won any titles, this team. Last year, they finished in fourth place. This year, their defense is about that good, but the offense is a little bit below average, and that's why they're in the middle. Team's current form, 2-0-1 in their last three. And now, Drew Cleul, which translates to Thunder Dragon and Heaven. Thunder Dragon is the uh, serpentine creature that is actually on uh, the nation's flag. It is a very dear emblem for this entire country. Uh, they do play in the uh, capital proper of Timpu. Club is almost brand new. They still got that new club smell. 2020. They finished third place in the league last year. This year, the defense is what's holding them back. They are well below average in that regard, giving up two and three quarters goals per match. They've got the number three offense scoring exactly three goals per match. I'll tell you what, if you can find an internet stream of these teams, this league is a very high scoring one. Should be very entertaining. Team's current form, they just beat number eight, Team Pooh Ravens, six to one. That snapped a two-match losing streak. And uh, since we didn't have any most meaningless players or average players to talk about, I couldn't find stats on that. Instead, you get a most meaningless fact about the capital city of Timpu. It's one of the few national capitals in the world that doesn't have an airport of their own. They rely on the airport 30 miles away in the city of Paro. And now the very last match of the episode, number 13, so appropriately, this is the match of Disappointed! 
And the reason it is so disappointing is because the last match is always two sad sack bottom feeders from the tail end of some table in the world. Which have you chosen for us to scorn? A Monday match from the Costa Rican Premier Division where they are in their Apatura stage, the first of the two stages of their overall soccer year. Kind of two mini-seasons in a lot of Spanish-speaking countries in the Western Hemisphere. Now, uh, Costa Rica's PD is ranked number four in all of CONCACAF. No thanks to these two stink bombs we're going to be looking at. The stage winners, by the way, plus the two best teams in the table would get to go to, to the uh, Central American Cup next year, a feeder tournament to the CONCACAF Champions League. Oh, 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 woe to those that think that these two putrid clubs would ever get a sniff of that. For better or largely for two worse, we will be stuck with these two teams for time immemorial as there is no relegation, sadly, from this league. They're about halfway through this stage. Your matchup. Number 12, Municipal Gracia. They're in last place versus they were number 11. Now they're number 10. A little change since I scouted it. Deportiva San Carlos. San Carlos currently lead number 11, Municipal Perez Celedon, by eight on goal differential. They're effectively tied, and they lead Municipal Gracia by seven points. Series between these two has been very even the last few years. Eight, four, and eight are their records. All right, Gracia, let's talk about them first. They are named after a town of the same name. Definitely not a city at maybe 15,000 in size. Central part of the country. It's on the eastern ridge of the central valley of the nation, so fairly centrally located. And it's known mostly for its tourism. You've got a lot of historical architecture in the area, uh, probably from colonial days, as well as a lot of waterfalls in the canton and nature reserves. The club was founded in 1998, fairly young, and they are known as La Pantera, the Panther. And the one that is drawn on the crest has a soccer ball in his mouth, and he's kind of smushing out of shape, it looks like to me, unless it's a slight optical illusion. Either way, uh, it's very strange. The Panther seems to be either very hungry or very confused, or he is successfully playing fetch. I don't know which that it is, but Google it up for yourselves. See what you think. I think it's kind of cool that the ball is sort of uh, oblong near the bottom out of shape. It might just be an optical illusion because it's painted as being sort of within the Panthers mouth and head. They've never won a league title here, but they've only been up since 2016-17 when they won the Liga Ascenso, the second division in Costa Rica back when there was promotion and relegation in this country. Last stage, the 2022-23 Clausura, they finished in last place by three points. They're used to being here in the sewer. They are, after all, the only winless team this particular stage. Worst offense, they're the only team scoring less than a goal per match. And the worst defense giving up, uh, they're starting to flirt with three goals per match. It's truly horrific. They've got the worst goal differential by 50%. What little offense they're getting is largely at the feet of team scoring leader. He's got three, Brian Rojas, their center forward. He's actually on loan here from Herediano, one of the three big ones in this country. And oh, how he's wishing he would probably just be sitting on the bench up there instead of starting down here. Their left back, Jefferson Rivera, also has three goals as well. Teams current form, they have lost four straight, and they just got their butts whooped. 7-0 by another one of the big three in the league, uh, Saprisa. And now San Carlos, they are known as the Northern Bulls. They are from Ciudad Quesada, which I was going to make the joke originally that looks like it should be Cheese City. It's in the Hala, 
Let me try that again. The Alajuela province, a district of about 45,000. It's a commercial center for the surrounding rural areas that are largely agricultural, ranching oriented, especially for production of cheese and dairy. I really think this is like Cheesesteak City or something like that. You've got dairy, you've got ranching. I'm starting to think that the joke isn't really a joke. All right. They've won one league title ever, and that was in 2019. They won the Clausura stage. 2022-23 Clausura, the most recently completed stage, they finished in sixth place. Uh, this year, they're just a fair bit below average on both offense and defense. Not much sign that they're really going to climb out of the uh, gutter here. Team scoring leaderboard for them with three is Gabriel Leiva. He is a central midfielder who is also on loan from Herediano. You're catching the theme. Some of these bad teams are just reserved teams, more or less, for a couple of the better ones. Uh, also, with three goals and a really, really cool name for them is Wilmer Azofaifa. He plays central midfielder for them. Team current form, they are 1-1-0 and in their last two. Credit where it's due once again, no matter that those uh, points were earned against the next two teams up in the table from them. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo. boo. And that's a wrap on episode 154 of Soccer New Brock in America featuring Person Noob. Thank you so much to he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production wizardry. To my daughter, Person Noob, love you very much. Thank you for doing this with us and introducing us, picking out all the fine animals that we love so dearly. And thank you to you for finding us, tuning in. We hope if you enjoyed it, that you will pass us along to your footy-minded friends. Until we do it again in a few days, please have yourself a fabulous footy week. Take care.